G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I didn't understand it. Evan wasn't diagnosed until he hit 15. Um, When he was four, I was told he had Asperger's tendencies, but back then there was no guidebook. You were probably made to feel like more an inept parent than you were shown how to parent a child with autism. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today, Sandra Gurney will be joining us via the telephone from her family farm located in a small town called Charleville in southwestern Queensland. Sandra will share her journey to faith in Jesus and about some of the challenges she faces having three children with autism spectrum disorder. That and more is coming up today. Sandra has a chat with Karen Hunt. Sandy, tell us where you were born and what life was like for you as little Sandy. I was born in Ingham. Mum and Dad were up there and um, she had to stay in hospital until I was born. And then as soon as I was born, Mum and Dad had to go back down to Brisbane because my grandmother was not well um, and she passed away. So it was a hard year, the year I was born, but, you know, the good thing was that I was born. So she said it it was always a happy year, you know, in that respect. So you grew up in Brisbane? I grew up in Brisbane on the north side, yep. around the hills area. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Bunyaville many years ago. It's, it's Everton Hills, you know. Yes, so, very yeah, familiar. That was my playground. <laughs> Went to school at uh, Everton Park Primary, and and that was the same school my father went to. Okay. You know, it was in the family sort of thing. My father and his brothers and sisters. So, so. what what about for you, brothers and sisters? How many? Yeah. I'm one of five, so I have one brother and three sisters. So, And where do you fit? I'm number four. Number four. Good old number four. You know, I introduce myself that way sometimes. Oh, hi, I'm number four. Oh, true. <laughs> oh, just for fun, you know. <laughs> now, I know you like horses. Other than horses, what else were you into when you were young? When I was in high school, I started gymnastics, and that was a big love for me. I loved Loved gymnastics, and that was pretty much my life from, from high school on. Uh, yeah, I used to compete. Um, used to compete at Launton and Chandler, and I did that till I was about nineteen, and mm-hmm. then I, I just I guess I got too old for it. Uh, and I got married when I was nineteen, so you know it was time for the next chapter of my life. And tell me, was faith a part of your earlier years, those child and teenage years? In my younger years, when I was in um, primary school, it was. Mum and Dad didn't go to church very much, um, but they always made sure that it was an option for us. Mm -hmm. Some of the values that Dad instilled within us, I I say, oh, Dad used to say, you know, never let an argument go past sunset. And they'd say, that's in the Bible, you know, and, and I never knew that, but there were always things that were instilled upon us. But I used to go to church at um, Mitchelton. My auntie and uncle, they used to go to church a lot. They had two girls, they were twins, and they were my best friends mm. when I was a kid growing up. So I would always sleep over their place on the weekend, and I would go to church 
with Relly and Chrissy, my twins, my so, twinnies. So these are the cousins? These are my cousins, yeah. And I would also do Pathfinders. Uh, it was called Pathfinders then, or youth groups. When I got older, then I did youth group mm-hmm. at the church just down the road. There was a Wesleyan Methodist church. Mm-hmm. And um, my with that Wesleyan Methodist church, my grandmother's brother built the first little chapel that was there. Um, so it sort of had a, a sentiment in our family. Yeah. Then they built another church and then they built an even bigger church as I got older. And my grand loved that church. And I would go to church with grandma too because I was grandma's girl and my grandma <laughs> lived with us. She lived in a flat downstairs. Mm-hmm. So I would go to church with grandma. But I don't think I understood it. Like I loved going, but I don't think I really understood it at that point. And is that something that you've uh, grown to come to understand later in life? Yes, yes. When I was when I was up at Gilbert River, it wasn't until it was nearly time for us to leave there. Uh, I used to let the kids go on a Christian bush camp. Uh, it was on the Ainsley River, and they would hold it every June, July holidays. And it's a beautiful place there. That that Ainsley River is just a gorgeous place. And it was the one day my husband works very very hard, and it was the one day I'd say, "Come on." Let's take the kids and we'll drop them off at camp and they would stay there for a week. And through this camp, I met a man called Michael Rafferty and his wife, Wendy. They would look after the kids for a week and they would, you know, teach the the children about Bible lessons and and that sort of thing. And it wasn't until we were nearly leaving, um, the kids did that for nearly four years. But they just had so much fun there and such beautiful people. And they'd have another man, Curly. He was from Babinda, <laughs> and he would bring some children out yeah. from Babinda so they could experience the camping and that. And uh, I guess you could say this was like my tap on the shoulder from God or this is when it became more apparent to me was I got there this day and I said to Mr. Rafferty, I said, it feels so warm here. It feels like I'm being hugged. And that was like the first thing. And then I had to take Evan back. Well, he had to catch a plane to boarding school, so I had to drive him the five and a half hours to Cairns. And my husband was with me this time. And his plane was delayed, and we had his younger brother with us at that point. And just as we got to the airport, he vomited in the car. Then when we got to the airport and then the plane was delayed and what we didn't realise at the time was Talon had autism mm. and it was just a really, really stressful time. Like I spent most of the time running back to the toilet because he was he just felt like he was going to be sick all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, even though he wasn't, but because of the autism, it was just giving him mixed messages, mm. you know. We got Ev on the plane, but I felt like I hadn't been able to say goodbye to him properly because it was just a funny time. Like, it was it was a bit stressful for me, I guess. And then we did our shopping like we normally do, and then we headed straight back home. So we did it all in a day. But the whole way home, I kept thinking, I really feel like I need to see Mr. Rafferty right now. This was before we got into the driveway. I don't know what it was. Just something kept telling me, I really feel like I need to see Mr. Rafferty right now. Anyway... We drive in the driveway and here is Mr. Rafferty and um, I, I see his camper van and he'd obviously pulled in there for the night and, and I just think that's another, like, I think it's God saying, 
well, you said you needed to see him. Here he is. Yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Isn't there something so special about uh, the closeness of God in the beauty of his nature and creation? Absolutely, absolutely. How we're taught these things, how he teaches us this. I'm so grateful that he's opened my heart to all of this. It's a wonderful experience. You told us that you married at the age of 19. You married Darren. So fill us in. How did you meet this young man? And, uh, yeah, what happened from there? Uh, Well, he was a friend of my brother's. My poor brother, I feel sorry for him. He would bring these friends home. And, well, he brought Darren home this one day. And uh, I don't know how I knew. I just knew I was going to marry him. First time I set eyes on him. Really? I knew I was going to marry him. He's just a sweet, good man. Very good man. So you hijacked the friendship? Yes, yes. He's, I call him the sweetest man on earth. I always call him that because <laughs> he's such a good man. He's a, he's a good husband. I'm just so lucky, so lucky to have this sweet man in my life, you know. And, and what, what was he doing at the time? At the time he was welding. He was a welder. And he would make security gates. Um, Darren grew up in Inogra and many years ago his grandfather ran a dairy from there. It's funny, one of my aunties, she talks about going to get milk from the dairy and um, it's been a, been around for a long time but then he moved the dairy up to Woodford and so that's where Darren used to spend his holidays and things like that. So yeah, then the big fella did farming and... The big yeah, fella. Yeah, <laughs> the, the big, big fella, fella, Darren. Yes, about the big fella, a.k.a. Darren, <laughs> my husband, who's <laughs> <and> man on earth. <laughs> did you imagine that you'd become a farmer's wife and, and live, you know, out in the bush? If you had told me many years ago that I would be a farmer's wife and that I know the stuff that I know now, I would have said you're a bit of a fibber flobber. You know? Really? <laughs> The things that that good man has taught me, he doesn't he doesn't realise how great he is. Mm. He doesn't realise how much he has helped me. I have to be honest. Darren is not a church person. He, I mean, yes, he went to church when he was young. His mum is still connected, very connected to a church at Mitchelton, mm-hmm. and we were married there. Uh, we were the third generation to be married there. His his grandmother, his m- mother and father, and then he and I were married there and our children were baptised there because it, it was so significant. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, I guess he was raised with the same beliefs as I was. You know, he went to church and he went to youth group and he did all those things too. But in his older years, it's not been very prominent. Um, but he he doesn't stop me. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Sandra Gurney on the telephone from her family farm in Charleville, Queensland. Sandra has been sharing about her journey to faith in Jesus. Next, we'll hear more of her story, including some of the challenges she faces having three children with autism spectrum disorder, or ASD. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. 
We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Sandra Gurney on the telephone from her home in Charleville, Queensland. Before the break, we heard Sandra share her life journey and how she became a Christian. Now, we'll find out what happened next in her life and about some of the challenges she faces having three children with autism spectrum disorder. Tell us about your early married life. So where did you head to first? Uh, well, we moved from the north side to Glasshouse Mountains. Uh-huh. We lived in uh, just a rented house for about about six months or so. And then we were then we got a house on one of the properties. It was a macadamia property and Darren was working his way up through the company because they had five farms. So they had uh, that, or they did have six, but they sold one and they had, they were left with five. So we had 38,000 trees Oof. to look after. Okay, so where did you go to next? We were on that property for 10 years. He worked for that company for 10 years and then he left that company and we, and ultimately left that property and then we moved to just a rented house in town and we were there for about three years and in that time he did um, the sugarcane harvest uh, every year. And you had kids by this stage? Yes, we had uh, two children at that point, uh, Evan and Dallas, my beautiful babies, and um, then I fell pregnant with Miss J, Uh number three. Number three of five. Yes. But you mentioned to me off air about your atopic pregnancy. That was like after child number two, is that right? Yes, it was quite a scary time because I, I nearly died from that because I was, I was bleeding into my stomach mm. and the hospital didn't realise they'd sent me for a scan. So, yeah, it was just a scary time um, and I can remember it took me a long time to fall pregnant after that because I couldn't make the decision to fall. I couldn't because of the, the atopic pregnancy, it, it had scared me. Yeah, it would do. Um, so I couldn't decide and I can remember talking to someone one day and just saying, I wish somebody would make this decision because mm. I just can't, you know. I was too scared it was going to happen again. And then I accidentally fell pregnant with Miss J. Nothing's by accident. (laughs) (laughs) I know, big fella doesn't like saying she was an accident. And I say, well, it doesn't mean I don't love her any less. I'd love her even more. (laughs) Tell us, Sandy, you've got five children all up now. Now, three of these have autism. What are the ages of your kids and, and how are you going with all that? Uh, I have uh, my oldest boy, Evan, he's 19. Uh, I have Torin, who's 11. Uh, she's ASD. And then I have Talon Paul Thomas, who is seven, and he has ASD as well. That's quite a handful. Yeah, it was. I didn't understand it. Evan wasn't diagnosed until he hit 15. Um, when he was four, I was told he had Asperger's tendencies, but nobody tells you to, um, you know, go and get him diagnosed. Um, there's no there's no guidebook for autism at all. You know, there are many books on autism, but back then there was no guidebook. You were probably made to feel like more an inept parent than you were shown how to parent a child with autism. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until Talon was three um, or almost three and uh, we were up at the mango farm at the time and we usually come down to Brisbane for holidays with family 
and we took the children to Movie World. It had been a very harassing day. Talon had just about sent us to tears. Mm-hmm. He he was just so overwhelmed because, I mean, I can look at it now and go, well, visually it was overwhelming. It was mm-hmm. probably too noisy for him. It was all these things. But back then I had no understanding of autism, sure. really. Even though I had an older child with it, I didn't know enough to do the research on it. I didn't know anything about it at all. But see, when I was younger, when, when Evan was younger, I had postnatal depression as well. So I was just trying to get my mind right. And and, it, and that took a long time to do, you know. And it wasn't until Tal come along that that's when I really started to understand what autism was mm. and and how to work with it. And probably I've learnt more about autism in the last four years than I had in the whole 15 years with Evan. I would not be surprised if there are others listening right now who just might be in a similar situation as you with one or two or three children in, you know, a similar phase of life. What kind of encouragement can you give to those parents right now? One thing that I've found is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Seeking out other parents, talking to other parents is helpful. And going to seminars, that was something that really helped me. The best advice I could offer for people is to talk to other parents. Um, uh, Get yourself into a support group um, if you can find one or if there's one within your area. I helped to admin a Facebook page called Asperger's Parent Connect Mm -hmm. with Sally Tebow. Sally's been very encouraging and we actually brought Sally out here to Charleville, Sally and another lady called Chris Barrett. They um, used to do seminars called Food Family and Asperger's, uh, it used to be. Mm And it was through that and meeting Sally and Chris and we we looked at diet, we looked at, you know, there are a lot of things out there and it's just knowing how to navigate your way through that, you know, through that path, you know, which can be quite rocky sometimes. So again, there's a Facebook page, Asperger's Parent Connect. Any particular websites that you'd like to inform our listeners about? Sulaki was a good one for me when mm-hmm. I first started out. Um, Sulaki and uh, a book that was a really good help for me was um, Temple Grandin, um, Thinking in Pictures. Uh-huh. That was an excellent one to help me to understand how the children process and um, yeah, just how their brains work a little bit and they were good people who helped me. Do you have a strong Christian support network around you able to help and encourage you? One thing that I have found a little hard here at the moment is I haven't found a church yet, but I think that is coming um, because we've only been here a couple of years, but I I started going to Bible study, so that, that's been helpful. Another lady and I, who was also a Christian, um, created a support group for special needs children. Um, We called it Charleville Special Needs Support Group. And so we've sort of created a little network of parents who, you know, we help each other in our, you know, when we're having a bad day or, Mm. you know, we're there for each other and give each other a coffee. So that has been my network. But I have been going to the Christian Outreach Centre. I went to a night there and listened to a speaker who was so powerful, Leah Matthews. She was so powerful listening to her. 
and that gave me strength. I went to this church and listened to this lady talk and the next morning my daughter my daughter said to me, I'd like to go back there, Mum, um, for breakfast and I didn't quite understand what was going on at the time and she called us forward and she said, you know, put your hands up mm-hmm. to God, you know, and because he was already working in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened, but she was talking and she blew on me and it was like in my heart, it felt like my heart exploded and I fell backwards with the force and I've never had that happen before. The force of a breath. Yes, it was just amazing. And that's why I stay here in this town you know, because it's given me strength, this mm. beautiful little town, though I'm not connected to a church. Mm-hmm. You know, when things weren't going great, it was the church who gave us a house to stay in for a month until the house that we were supposed to go in was ready and they gave it to us rent-free, mm. you know, um, and we did give them money when we left um, because we were so grateful for their help uh, in our time of need. And I know um, a couple of ladies that I go to school with, a few of the mums are with the Christian Outreach Centre. Uh, So I think that's coming. I think that a path will show itself soon. Um, I I hope so, for your sake. I mean, you definitely need to be with other like-minded women and and like-minded families as much as possible. But the Spirit of God, the breath of God, I hope and pray for you for Darren, for your five kids, that the Spirit of God will be alive and strong to guide you and protect you and lead you on in all good things, hey? Yes. If if I haven't seen it working in my life now, I think I would have to be really blind, you know, (laughs) because I can just see it working every day here in Charleville. I've seen it. I've seen it work here, and that's why I like here. It's such a beautiful little town, you know, such supportive, good people. They're all around me. Well, God bless the folk there in Charleville and Queensland as well. And, Sandy, thanks so much for your time, and thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks so much. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Sandra Gurney, who joined us from her home on the family farm in Charleville, Queensland. It was great to hear how God has been working in her life and how he's been helping her overcome some of the challenges involved in having children with Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD. As you heard, she mentioned one very practical bit of advice for other parents in a similar situation is to get connected with other parents in a support group. As the Bible says, we are to bear one another's burdens. It's always important to remember that we are never alone in whatever challenges we face in life. Our Heavenly Father is always there for us, and there are definitely other people going through similar challenges. If you'd like someone to pray about any struggles you may be going through at this very moment, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 772 936 And we'd love to pray for you on that number, one 800 772 936. Well, thanks for joining us for Sandra's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We had to move from one neighbour to another neighbour and that neighbour had me and my grandmother and a few other people in his house for a week. But by that time, my house was already demolished. We had no home. And uh, then it was announced in the country that the killing had stopped. But it wasn't true. It was a lie. Frida is the author of the book Chosen to Die, Destined to Live, about her miraculous escape from the Rwandan genocide in 1994. 
Frida will give a first-hand account of how she survived and how her faith in God has helped her to heal and forgive. All that and more next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 